Hello and welcome to The Briefing. I'm Tom Tilley. This is the daily news podcast where we get you up to speed every morning on the news you need to know. It is Tuesday the 28th of April and today in the second half of the show we'll brief you on the economic cost of the coronavirus and why it's costing us young people more in the short term and the long term and we'll also look into that big question uh, should you take out some of your superannuation if you're doing it tough at the moment? Joining me to talk through the news of the day is Annika Smith-Hurst, who is still not on Team Australia. I'm not not on Team Australia, Tom. I just <laughs> haven't got around to downloading the app yet. But today, that's top of my agenda, as soon as I'm finished. All right. Well, before we get into the briefing topic, let's look at what else is going on in the world today. Yes, the app. Let's go straight to that story, Annika. Um... You haven't done it, but 2 million Australians have now downloaded the coronavirus tracing app in just 24 hours. Pretty amazing. Yeah, I'm still in the majority, though, who haven't done it. (laughs) So to put that in perspective, the federal government wasn't expecting to hit a million downloads for five days, but that happened in just four hours. Yeah, and obviously that's something they're pretty happy about. Interestingly, Chief Medical Officer Professor Brendan Murphy seems to be moving away from that 40% goal we've heard so much about. I know that the Singaporeans talked about a 40% uptake to make it you know a real game changer but what I've been saying is that every single person that takes this up helps. So do you think he's saying oh we'd settle for less than 40 or do you think he's saying actually we could go way higher than that? Right from the time we have first heard about this app in Canberra there had been a sense that health authorities actually wanted a much higher number than 40 mm. so perhaps they're getting ahead of themselves. I'd heard numbers of about 70 to 80 percent so look I still think we're a long way from there and we might not quite get there but it seems Brendan Murphy's quite optimistic optimistic about the uptake so far. Yeah, well, it just seems Aussies are really keen to get on board and throwing their scepticism to the side. I think it's that carrot stick approach too. The government saying if you can, if you want to get out of lockout, you have to download the app. So a lot of people are very tempted at the moment. But look, not all of everybody's following the rules. The federal police are investigating a hoax text that sprung up yeah. yesterday, telling users they'd been caught 20Ks from their homes and if so, to call a government number. Wow sort of funny, but it's also kind of dangerous given we're all in a pretty bizarre state at the moment. Yeah, I don't know who would self-dob in if they were away anyway. So if you do get that, don't ring, don't dob yourself in, don't ring the authorities, just go home. And there's some um, pretty wild numbers being thrown around about the housing market. Um, House prices could plummet by 30% in two years under a worst case scenario laid out by the National Australia Bank. As someone in the market for a home, I am so happy with this story, but (laughs) sorry to all those homeowners out there. Yes, the median Aussie house is worth about $800,000 at the moment, and a fall of 30% would knock it down to about $566,000, which is more like the price people are paying for apartments now. Yeah, so just point out this is their their worst case scenario the bank's well, expecting best case scenario tom depending <laughs> on whose side you're on here all right i'm going to put it out there i'm in a lot of debt and that that number kind of scares me um, i'll let you stay in my mansion that i can now afford yeah well you were trying to buy a house just a few weeks ago and you 
weren't successful, which means given what's happened and given what might happen to the housing market, you were actually quite successful. Get sitting there with a big deposit now waiting um, for house prices to drop. But look, there does seem to be not a lot of stock on the market. People are sitting tight unless they have to sell. So while house prices might fall, um, I spoke to a real estate agent yesterday that said just there's not much uh, being listed at the moment. Yeah, well, I think the only people selling now would be people in trouble because it's such an uncertain time to sell. You can't hold proper open houses and sell in the normal way. Um, the bank's projections are all about their their expectations on how many um, people will default on their mortgages, and that's a factor of how much the pandemic hits global growth. But I think predicting house prices is pretty fraught right now. I mean, if you were predicting it a month ago when we were looking at a six-month full hibernation, that was a very different scenario to what we're looking at now. Absolutely. I've seen figures from about a 10% drop to unaffected down to 30%. So, of course, uh, you always look at the news that fits your narrative a little bit more in terms of house prices. But um, look, at the end of the day, uh, you can't have this sort of economic hit without it having some effect on the housing market. And Australia hasn't had much of a drop in houses uh, for the last 30 years. So there will be some people happy to see this. And do you think you guys are going to swoop, you know, prey on some struggling person Some trying to offload their, their, their home. Look, if, if there's a nice rich family out there that have to get rid of their mansion for 30% less, maybe I might be able to take up take up that offer, Tom. Well, great to hear you in the, the mansion market. Today's News Corp papers, and Annika Smethurst works for them, um, they're leading with a big story about the investigation into the origins of the coronavirus. The story identifies two Chinese scientists reportedly under investigation by the Five Eyes intelligence agencies, uh, and these two Chinese scientists are reported to have studied bats here in Australia, one between 2011 and 2014 and the other back in 2006. It's nice to know we have world-leading bats, that people are coming out here to study good Aussie bats. Now, that research was funded by China and the CSIRO. It was actually meant to help prevent a pandemic uh, by figuring out how coronaviruses jump from bats to humans. Yeah, and Australia's official position is that COVID-19 most likely originated from a Wuhan wet market, but it won't rule out the possibility It was unintentionally released from a laboratory. Annika, the thing that stuck out to me from this story was that it was saying there's a Five Eyes Intelligence investigation into the origins of COVID-19. But over the last few weeks, we've heard Maurice Payne, the foreign minister, calling for an independent investigation. What is going on there? Yeah, there was talk that we want um, weapons inspector-style guys to go into China and get to the bottom of where this came from. But it does seem like the Five Eyes Network, which is uh, some like countries, I guess, like Western nations that get together and have um, a lot of cyber intelligence and share a lot of information, have already obviously started an investigation into this. So that's an interesting side to this story. But Australia's already part of an investigation investigation looking about where this may have started and whether uh, the wet market was the original source of the virus. And Annika, it seems like a good old Aussie favourite um, is the comfort food of choice in isolation. Vegemite sales are up 55% on last year. And not just in my house, although I have had it every morning in isolation. Uh, the company has also, strangely, seen a spike in the number of people searching for its recipe online. Maybe trying for some homemade Vegemite to go with all the homemade bread everybody's making. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, people are getting into Vegemite more because it's just something that 
lasts a long time? Perhaps. I don't know. It's a good prepper food, right? <laughs> sure. It never goes off. Everybody always has a skanky old bottle of Vegemite or jar of Vegemite in their pantry, don't they? Good enough for the Anzacs. It's good enough for us in lockdown. Speaking of stockpiling, um, the restrictions to stop us buying too much alcohol have been dumped today. There were limits, although they were pretty loose. It was two cases of beer or cider, 12 bottles of wine, two bottles of spirits. Those um, loose restrictions have been lifted. Yeah, look, sometimes I'd like to buy, you know, a couple of boxes of wine, but I just don't know how much people are drinking when there's only you're only allowed to stay within your household. So, you know, it makes sense if you're having a party to want to stock up on slabs of beer, but I don't know if there's just two people at home. Are you really going through that much beer and wine? Yeah, I think the common experience I'm hearing from my friends and, and my own experience is that I'm drinking more often, but not really that much. I think you mis- you probably miscount the ones that you have when you go to the pub and you just have a cheeky pint or four, you know, you sort of uh, forget about them. It's quite obvious when the empties are there to wake up, this, you know, the next morning sitting beside your bed. That's right. And you're kind of more sober, really, when you're drinking at the moment. So you're really noticing, oh, I've picked up my third beer, but... Once you got past three at the pub, you'd stop counting. Yeah, and you can start earlier. <laughs> not that we condone binge drinking on this and show. And we're not drinking now. No, we're definitely not. You are listening to The Briefing, and in the second half of the show, we go deeper on an important news story and give you essentially a brief. That's the, the reason we called it The Briefing. <laughs> Today, the question is, what is the coronavirus really costing you? Young Australians have been hit hardest by the job losses and that short-term economic pain, but we're also going to be the ones paying it back over the decades. Yeah, Tom, and younger Australians are also being asked to make some really difficult financial choices. And one of them is whether to join the half a million Aussies who have taken up that government offer to withdraw about 10k from their super accounts. Yeah, should you dip into your super? That's one of the many questions we're about to ask Danielle Wood who is an economist at the Grattan Institute. Danielle, thanks for joining us on The Briefing. Thanks for having me. Danielle, nearly half a million Aussies have already dipped into their super. Can you give us a sense of what impact that will have down the track when these people go and retire? Well, when people take money out of their super, and particularly if they're young, um, that will mean, of course, that they receive less in interest that compounds over their life, which can actually be quite a substantial hit to their balance in retirement. So, for example, if a 25-year-old were to take 20000 out, they could be sort of $120,000 less in terms of their total retirement income when they hit retirement age. It can have a significant impact. Um, So I would say to young people, you know, just because you can take it out doesn't mean that you should. Um, That said, you know, if you are struggling to pay your bills today, it's understandable. I think that some people, you know, have been willing to to dip into that pool of savings in order to to make ends meet. What should you do first before you tank out your super? Well, I mean, the government has put various support packages in place. You know, this is an extremely unusual economic event. We're talking, you know, once in a generation, probably once in a century. So we absolutely understand that there is a huge number of people experiencing substantial hardship. Um, so certainly look at the supports that are available, you know, job keeper payment, if you can organise that through your employer, job seeker, which is about twice the rate of new start. There are various options to try and negotiate rent with your landlord, for example. Um, so I'd be looking at all the other options available. I think 
dipping into super should be a last resort for people. And we've seen young people really um, unfairly hit by this, I guess. Uh, If you're under 30, up to 10% of people in that sort of category have lost their job because of the coronavirus. So it's not like when we get through this, that just bounces back. What are some of the sort of long-term implications going to be for younger Australians when it comes to the coronavirus? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, all recessions hit young people hard, but this one particularly so because of the nature of it and the the industries that have felt at first being you know, retail, accommodation and food services, which are big employers of young people. Um, what we'd be concerned about in the long term and what we've seen in past recessions is something economists call scarring, which sounds really awful, but really the idea is that um, people that hit the job market during an economic downturn, even a decade later, still have lower levels of employment and lower wages than people hit the job market at a better point in the economic cycle. Um, So that's really the big concern here, that people that are just finding their feet in their careers, they might be coming out of uni, starting a trade, and, you know, not able to find a job, then, you know, that doesn't just hit them for the six-month period when the economy is slow that you see kind of long-term effects throughout their career. Look, the government were put in a pretty bad predicament. I can imagine for a conservative government too, uh, for a treasurer like Josh Frydenberg to be presented with these options, um, it must have been really sort of a difficult decision to make. But to put this in context, the government have put more than $200 billion into the economy. Can you give us a sense of how many years that will take to pay back and what that sort of money can buy? Well, I mean, $200 billion is what they've spent on the support packages the hit to the budget will be much greater than that because obviously when everyone's incomes take a hit, that means tax revenues take a hit. So, you know, we expect actually that the, the increase in debt will be probably more like $400 billion. Wow. Um, so, you know, this is substantial money. We, we may well come out this, you know, with debt about half of GDP. So half of the total amount that our economy produces in one year will be our debt burden. But that said, I think the government has done the right thing. So, you know, that's difficult for us to grapple with sums of that size, but the alternative of, you know, leaving people on the street not able to pay their bills is far, far worse from an economic perspective. My guess is we'll be paying about $8 billion or so in interest payments a year. That's about the amount the federal government spends on, on childcare in a given year. Um, so, look, interest will hurt. Um, but it is manageable with interest rates so low. And I think, you know, we will be slowly paying this debt off over decades to come. So how many decades do you think it will, will take to, to pay this back? And, and what impact is that going to have on younger Australians? It really depends. So the, the government's been talking a lot about growing our way out of debt. And if you go back to post-World War II, we had a huge debt burden. The economy grew really fast and gradually that debt sort of faded away. So if we can get the economy up and moving, um, that certainly helps. I think it will be a combination of economic growth and and budget consolidation to help pay down. And I expect we're probably talking 10 or 20 years. Look, Danielle, there has to be some winners from this. And uh, I was one of the people that actually bid on a house back in March. Luckily, didn't successfully get that house, but house prices might drop. So is there any good news on the horizon for sort of younger Australians about, I guess, maybe getting into the housing market or, you know, we know that a lot of government services have been um, boosted, free childcare, any of those like 
likely to stick around? What does the economic environment look like on the other side of this? Look, I think anyone that says they know for sure is kidding themselves. This is incredibly unusual. So we're all just speculating. I mean, house prices is an interesting one. Um, I've been following the, the series pretty closely and so far prices have held up, which is extremely surprising given the the scale of this economic hit. But I think what's happening is really there's just very few transactions going through. Um, So sellers are holding back any properties they might have put on the market. Buyers aren't going out there. So the market's kind of in its own form of hibernation. I expect we will see a bit of of a hit to prices. I'd be thinking, you know, 10 to 20% given the scale of the economic shock. It's hard to see that house prices won't take some kind of hit from this. So that may well be an opportunity for, for people like yourself, Annika, that are, you know, thinking of buying. Danielle, there's been a big debate in Australia and particularly when it came to house prices and smashed avocados that basically young people were getting a raw deal when it came to their financial situation. How do you think the coronavirus and the fact that it's put more young people out of work than older people, that it's left them with a massive debt that that will be repaying because we're going to be around longer. Do you think we've been ripped off even further as a, as a younger generation in this economic intergenerational bargain? Yeah, look, I think young people have had it hard, and I was I was very concerned about this issue even before the coronavirus. I think there was a lot of settings in the tax system, um, you know, taxes around housing, um, all of which were really benefiting older Australians um, and and hurting younger people. So I think that was already an issue going into this. As you say, young people have paid a really high price in this economic downturn. Um, We actually estimate that, you know, up to 30% of under 30s could be out of work in some form at the end of this. So that is absolutely huge number. So what I would say is, you know, when we're coming out the other side, let's think about that generational bargain Young people have paid a very high price, a lot of them with their jobs. Let's not let the burden of trying to repay this debt just fall on young people by doing it through income tax. Let's evaluate some of those tax settings. Um, Let's look at taxes on assets. Older Australians have grown their wealth extremely rapidly over the past two decades. Wealth for younger Australians hasn't moved. So these are, you know, big important questions. And I think we, we were already due for a rebalancing. And I think that case is even stronger now. That was a great, passionate call to action to our politicians to stand up for young people as we come out the other side of this coronavirus. Thank you so much, Danielle Wood, for joining us on The Briefing. Thanks for having me. Annika, the figure that really jumped out of that interview for me was that if you take out 20 grand now at the age of 25, it'll cost you 120 grand down the track. Yeah, it might just seem like a little bit of a hit now to get you over the coronavirus, but that is a huge amount on retirement. So I think the message out of that is people should really think twice, get all the figures, get all the information before they go ahead and take the government up on that offer. No one would begrudge anyone for taking that money out, but make sure you understand the full range of of financial benefits the government's offering you before you get to that point. Unless, of course, you're going to take it out, stick it in the stock market, and you're really uh, familiar with that area and think you can grow it more than your super account, then go for it. But look, it does sound like that's going to be a, a huge sort of thing to pay back down the track. All right, that is it for today's briefing on the financial implications of the coronavirus for young people. Annika, thanks for joining us. Great to be with you, Tom. Tomorrow on The Briefing, we've got a really interesting interview for you. Um, last week, we brought you the news that there was a coronavirus vaccine 
being tested on humans in the UK, which was a very quick turnaround. Normally that process takes way longer. Uh, And I'm excited to say that tomorrow on the podcast, we're going to speak to an Australian doctor who's one of the first two people injected uh, with this potential vaccine as part of that trial. Thank you so much for listening um, to this podcast in its only its second week. Um, still very exciting, still very fresh finding our feet. Um, tell your friends about it. You can subscribe on the Podcast One Australia app or get the podcast from wherever you normally get your podcasts on your iPhone or your Android or wherever. And follow us on Instagram at The Briefing Podcast. A Podcast One production.